Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy at Catholic Studies Academy. And today we're going to continue our conversation from last week where we were talking about Christian hope. And uh, it's around the time of Easter, uh, and we're also in this uh, great pandemic. Um, and so we are all in our homes uh, trying to find something to hope in, I think, because <laughs> it sure is not looking good since we can't even leave our house yet. But uh, uh, here we are. And so we're, what we want to do this week um, is we want to look at some, some different aspects uh, of hope, some misrepresentations that have seeped into our society, uh, maybe some distortions of hope that right. we may encounter as Christians, and we need to be able to identify them and maybe provide mm -hmm. some argument against them. But before we do that, um, just to recap a little bit of what we did last week, and last week we really identified uh, the virtue of hope, and we put that kind of in uh, contrast uh, or in comparison with the passion of hope uh, as uh, um, given to us by St. Thomas, where he talks a lot about kind of the, the, the natural hope that, that any person can have. Sure. Um, and we talked about how that, that passion of hope, you know, we can say, you know, well, I, I, I hope I'm able to leave my house next week or something like that, <laughs> or, or I hope I get this promotion or that promotion. Right, right. That is, that's, that's good, but that is not the virtue of hope. And the virtue of hope is really identified by its object, which is uh, eternal life. And the means uh, to obtain that object is grace. Right. Um, and so Christian hope or the virtue of hope really, uh, um, even though it's, it's under the same name as hope, it is mm -hmm. wholly different. It is mm -hmm. uh, completely different. And so uh, we, and we talked a little bit about how this, this understanding of Christian hope and this um, uh, object of hope, it really should order the entire life of the Christian. It right. should give, right. Right. It right. Should give right. their, their, their whole outlook. Mm -hmm. um, but also the, 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 the way that they act, the way that they are, the way that they mm -hmm. see the world, their entire outlook on life and eternity, it should, it should order that uh, towards uh, God himself. Um, but we also know that, you know, that's good, but that's not always like the self-evident uh, <laughs> sure. hope that we encounter in the world mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we're going to pick up uh, today. We Last week we brought up uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, or Pope mm -hmm. Benedict XVI's um, mm -hmm. letter on uh, Hope Space Alve. Mm -hmm. We're going to uh, uh, bring in uh, some of uh, Benedict and Ratzinger's uh, thought here um, because he really talks about, uh, and he does this in a lot of his works. He talks about mm. rivals or, That's right. uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, other dictators who are trying, yeah. you know, uh, dictators who are trying to, uh, uh, kind of, uh, come in and infiltrate, uh, mm -hmm. um, the, 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 the Christian world. That's right. Um, yeah. and so Dr. Smith, to, why don't you get us started, uh, uh, in this discussion about kind of some mm. of these misrepresentations of hope or distortions, right. yeah. um, uh, in this, where does where does this uh, maybe this arrival of hope uh, come in, and what exactly is it? Sure. So uh, as you say, uh, Benedict XVI is very good at, at sort of bringing out kind of the dialectical character of modern hope, right? Yeah. That is the ways in which different ideas uh, are opposed to each other, clash with each other, and kind of interact with each other. The um, I'm going to just uh, for the sake of convenience, I'm going to consistently refer to our author here as Benedict. Some of the things I'm going to refer to come from earlier uh, in his career, but before he was Pope, um, but I'm just going to call him Benedict just for the sake of uh, ease. Um, 
So he really develops this idea in two works um, that is uh, in um, Space Solving, for sure, mm -hmm. but also in one of his little works called uh, Christianity and the Crisis of Culture. Yeah. Uh, taken together, these two actually represent, if I was teaching a political philosophy class, I might actually end with, with sort of maybe a consideration of this uh, area because he really uh, brings into sharp focus the relationship between Christian hope, Christian eschatology, and our political world, right, and yeah. culture. Uh, and so what he does is he does this by developing the idea of the rival to Christian hope in our current day is uh, what he calls modern hope, or you could also maybe call it secular hope. Uh, but this is uh, a, a rival to Christianity, um, to Christian hope, uh, an alternative to Christian hope. And, you know, Jason, the more I think about it over the years, the more I think, you know, he's just spot on in his, at least his analysis of um, the rivalry here. Yeah. You know, oftentimes we find our colleagues who are conservative Christians, you know, sort of worrying about um, the, the, the rise of ethical relativism. Mm -hmm. And I certainly think that's worthy that's worth worrying about. But I always think that relativism is really skin deep, um, to be honest. I think below relativism is there's actually a rival set of moral values, a set of moral values that are contrary to the Christian uh, faith, and in particular contrary to Christian hope. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're thinking about the alternative to Christian hope as modern hope or secular hope, we need to kind of think clearly about okay, what, what are the key notes of Christian hope? And I think, you know, with St. Thomas, we talked about that last time. It's the object, the proper object, the defining object of Christian hope mm -hmm. is not your health. It's not your bank account. It's not your career. It's not your success. It's none of those things, right? It's not transforming society. Uh, the object of Christian hope very clearly is um, eschatological joy with the Trinity. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the kingdom of God and it's full and eternal and unending realization. Okay. Beyond history. Okay. That key points here. Um, second, the means of hope, right? The means of hope is supernatural grace, right? And the supernatural work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Benedict refers to this particularly in terms of receptivity, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He talks about a receptivity to grace. Yeah. being what distinguishes Christian hope, right? So we have a supernatural end, an end beyond history, um, beyond civilization, beyond politics. Uh, and we have a means that's beyond politics as well, very importantly, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. has receptivity to grace, not structures of power, not manipulative programs, not bureaucratic uh, committees, but, um, but supernatural grace, right? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the, the the way you worded it there. I I I think that's very helpful for the Christian when you when you when you call it a a civilization, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when we talk about you know kind of natural hope or if we even get sucked into just kind of uh, a secular hope, many times it's placed mm -hmm. on the 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 civilization or it's that's where we find our hope. You know, mm -hmm. America will mm -hmm. save the world. America, you know, is 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 this uh, you know. Um, uh, much of our hope, the uh, the object of, of mm -hmm. much of that hope becomes the civilization. So mm -hmm. I think, and, and I think, again, this is one of the difficult things for the Christian, the real battle sure. is to, to, to put your, put your, uh, your faith uh, 
into something that is that is hard to see mm-hmm. but it's, it's even more yes. real it's even yes. more real than the civilization yes. is here yes. uh, uh, that's the that, that i think is a real battle for christians mm-hmm. but when we mm-hmm. we're able to use language like that like to, to, it's a it's a it's a different civilization you know sure it's a, sure race filled civilization that right. i think that yeah. can help us kind of at least begin to wrap our minds around yeah, this, yeah. Uh, this idea yeah, uh, even a kingdom. So I'm just going to sort of, I know this isn't necessarily the best podcasting practice, but I'm going to just have to read some passages because he does such a fine job uh, articulating this. Um, he starts by saying, look, you know, since we have a supernatural end and we're require and we're relying on a supernatural receptivity, right? Yeah. Then we take on, uh, he says, the Christians take on, in, our, in this life, the character of being exiles or pilgrims, right? Mm-hmm. Right. This is not our final home. This is, we're not actually to try to make the kingdom here. Um, that uh, we're exiles in the desert in search of the kingdom, right? Um, which is not going to be something we find, as Benedict clearly says in Space All Day, in this life, in, this, in life. this society, yeah. right? So we're on a common pilgrimage, right? Um, you know, when the, when the people of Israel are trekking across Sinai, they don't mistake Sinai for the promised land, right? <laughs> like, no. You know, it's a, it's a wretched waste, right? And they want to get out of Sinai, right? Um, so uh, that, that's, that's a key note, right, it, for Benedict here. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just, he talks about it as a common pilgrimage, right? This is from Space Salve, paragraph four. Uh, and so he says... It's not then, it's very important to recognize that um, the Christian faith is not an ethical choice, which sounds interesting at first, right? It's not a choice to live a certain ethic in the desert, right? It's it's, it's not about that, right? Uh, It's about moving through the desert, (laughs) okay, in a faithful and trusting way. Uh, So you contrast that with a view that sees Christianity uh, and sees life primarily in terms of a this worldly moralism, mm-hmm. right? So it's very interesting. So I'm just going to read here a, a, an extended selection sure. uh, from uh, Benedict. This is, uh, in particular, this passage is from um, Christianity and the Crisis of Culture. He says, It is indeed true that a new moralism exists today. Its key words are justice, peace, and the conservation of creation. And these are words that recall essential moral values. But this moralism remains vague and almost inevitably remains confined to the sphere of party politics, where it is primarily a claim addressed to others. In the last decades, we have seen plenty of evidence of how pacifism can be perverted into a destructive anarchism. The political moralism of the 1970s, the roots of which are far from dead, attached a higher value to the political utopia than to the true dignity of the individual. Consequently, the same is true of a Christianity and a theology that reduces the core message of Jesus, that is the kingdom of God, to, quote, the values of the kingdom. Identifying these values with great slogans of political moralism, while at the same time proclaiming that these slogans are a synthesis of the religions. In this way, they forget God, although it is precisely he who is both the subject and the cause of the kingdom. All that remains in the place of God are big words and values that are open to any kind of abuse. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty it's powerful beautiful. passage, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and you think, man, this is spot on, right? Yeah. We're so much of, again, going back to the point about, you know, we're, sometimes we're worried about the rise of ethical relativism. I think at the end of the day, that's kind of, that's that, 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 that relativism is, is, is primarily superficial and primarily. It's a symptom, a symptom of the yeah. disease. Not and, it's, and it's primarily about sex, to be honest. I think yeah. it's kind of a, a cover for sexual misconduct. Um, what really is going on here is it's not the, it's not the absence of all values, right. right. Uh, that the Christianity is, is opposed to, or is a rival of rather there is a counter right version, right. There's a counterfeit, right. And that's this modern hope, the secular hope that he's talking about in which, right. We take um, things like passivism, right. Um, conservationism, Mm -hmm. uh, political utopianism, you know, values of the kingdom, etc. Right. And, and make them this world, like this worldly principles for transforming this world and forgetting, right. That ultimately, uh, you know, Christianity is about God and about the kingdom, of God, the kingdom of God beyond this world. Yeah. And he brings up, I like that phrase where he's talking about uh, uh, slogans defining the kingdom. I mean, mm -hmm. in, a, in a world where, you know, you, you sure. know, uh, of Twitter and all these things and mm -hmm, Facebook, mm -hmm. like to be able to, uh, uh, <laughs> to be able to say like, don't, don't try to reduce, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so much of, so much of today is reduction. Yes, um, sure, whether it's sure. reducing the human person, whether it's even in our speech, mm -hmm, no, reduce mm -hmm. your speech to a slogan. I'm not going to mm -hmm. read beyond, you know, 150 characters. Uh, <laughs> right, it, right, you know, right. if it can't be reduced to that, well then it's, mm -hmm, you know, out, it's, mm -hmm, it's of no value mm -hmm. or whatever like that. You know, the, 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 we we should not uh, as christians we should not kind of give in to this kind of um um identity of our of our christianity of it needs to be reduced to these slogans and many That's times right. it is um but it's it's so much more deep than that there's a yeah, there's a depth sure. to it that i think it responds to the human person like hope mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but it, again it's uh, uh it's uh, part of that uh that rival version of hope right yeah yeah absolutely yeah and again there's 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 ways to clearly distinguish the two right yeah one is all about uh, adopting moral principles that sort of beautify and uh, sort of preserve our exile existence in sinai our existence in the desert right that's what yeah. that's what secular hope is secular hope is telling us the desert's great right <laughs> or better yet let's go back to egypt <laughs> right. That's what secular hope is because, you know, yeah, we're enslaved in Egypt, but at least we had, you know, the flesh pots of Egypt. At least we had the comforts of Egypt. Right. Yeah. So really, I mean, the rivals here are between Egypt and the promised land. Right. Do we want to go do like the, the values of, of kind of utopianism, idealism, all those sorts of things that would try to transform this world into kind of an earthly paradise. Right. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the paradise that we're called to. Uh, Benedict continues this critique in another of his works, uh, his uh, work on eschatology, yeah. which is called entitled Eschatology, Death and Eternal Life. Um, it's published in uh, 1988. Uh, I'm going to read a, a paragraph here where he talks about how this new moralism, right, was applied to and has infiltrated, right, uh, Christian theology. Mm. So here's a, another extended passage. The new manifesto ran put Christianity into practice by transforming the world using the criterion of hope. It became the theology of revolution, liberation theology, 
black theology. If Christianity is to be interpreted as a strategy of hope, the question naturally arises, but which hope? The kingdom of God, not being itself a political concept, cannot serve as a political criterion by which to construct in a direct fashion a program for political action. Very direct statement there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The realization of God's kingdom is not itself a political process. To misconceive it as such is to falsify both politics and theology. The inevitable result is the, is the rise of false messianic movements, which of their very nature and from their inner logic of messianic claims finish up totalitarian. The transformation of eschatology into political utopianism involves the mas emasculation of Christian hope. Karl Marx, enter here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is pretty robust stuff uh, yeah. from Benedict. I think, again, he's saying, look, if you begin to think that Christianity is about a political process to transform the world, mm -hmm. then you have fundamentally misunderstood Christian hope. Yeah. That's not Christian hope. That's secular hope. That's modern hope, right? Um, that's the, that is the rival, right, of... Um, Christian hope. He says it's to misconceive of both politics and theology, right? In a way, it's interesting. It's, it's almost to ask more of, the, of politics than it can, than it can actually provide. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you, you turn to the political community and you say, I want you to create a paradise on earth in which there's no suffering, which everything is equal and, and so forth. And, um, that's what you should supply to me, right? right. And, and, and I think, you know, Benedict's saying, you know, actually you're asking it to provide you something, a paradise, right? Which in fact it cannot provide, right? And, yeah, goes, and, I, and, right. I, and I think an uh, interesting thing with that is when you look at say the, the, the movements that have promised that, mm -hmm. we're gonna provide a just society or, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. however mm -hmm. they couch those terms in some kind of sure. egalitarian, you know, hogwash, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a lot of a lot of times so you may say okay well that seems like a good object right and the means to that is revolution you know like, <laughs> right. well well hang on like you you can't yeah you can't uh, um the means cannot be just this this complete overthrow sure. uh, uh death murder uh, uh, by <laughs> right. any means necessary to That's bring right. about this utopian where there's no suffering. Right. What right. about by great suffering? Like you can't. But here's the, yeah. Here's the thing is, is it, it inevitably, in, he's saying it inevitably ends up in kind of totalitarian moves, right? Yeah. 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 What you're really doing is you're saying, look, your ultimate end is in this life. Your ultimate yeah. end is, is creating a political utopia here. And anybody gets in the way of that, they're depriving yeah. me of my ultimate end. Right? right. And so at the end of the day, even if I, even if I begrudge, you know, um, you know, uh, even if I, even if I feel a little bad and I wish it weren't so right that, you know, <clears throat> we have to close down conservative Christian colleges or something like that. If I was a progressive, uh, of yeah. this sort, right. Then I still might do it because I'm like, they're in the way, right. Yeah. 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 Us re re realizing our revolutionary ideal. And I want to just kind of go through this paragraph a little bit here because he names names, right. He says theology of revolution, liberation theology, black theology. Those yeah. are forms of theology that reinterpret Christianity primarily in terms of group oppression, right? Yeah. Uh, group oppression and liberation. That is that is a Marxist reinterpretation of Christianity, okay? Yeah. Yeah. That is not genuine Christianity. John Paul II condemned it, Benedict XVI condemned it. Um, the, uh, and, and he also gives us keynotes, right? He says, 
so if you hear somebody who's talking about the kingdom of God and they think of it as a political concept, mm-hmm. that's false. That is not true Christian hope, right? right. That, that's, that is this uh, distortion, corruption of Christian hope. If they, they try to use the kingdom as a criterion, right, to construct in a direct fashion a political program, again, right, nope, that's, that is a false version of Christian hope. Uh, if they think of it as a political process, they're doing the wrong thing. Um, and then here's the, the that's final the transformation of eschatology into political utopianism. I mean, that's just precise, clear, yeah. right on, right? And he, and he, he brings that up in Space Salve too, where he says, mm-hmm. uh, uh, paradise is, uh, uh, is not the end of faith, or paradise, paradise is no longer, uh, what does he say, no longer expected from faith. But this link between science and praxis. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So right, this, right, so right. this, you know, scientism. A lot of the things we've talked about before, you know, uh, they become they become the new uh, uh, the new means, or you know, that's mm-hmm, what is ex- mm-hmm. paradise is expected from these things. That's right. Uh, your faith, your faith is essentially useless. Your faith is right. some right. private some private holding that you can mm-hmm. keep to yourself and it actually it's better if you just keep it to yourself it has <laughs> right. no real bearing right. it has no real bearing on life yeah. period yeah you know? yeah so anytime you 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 sort of think of um this life right as which doesn't require faith as you, as you think of this life right as your ultimate end right you're starting to head yeah. right uh in this direction now you could ask some like you know where does this this uh, idea come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, what's its origin? You asked me that a while back, and I sort of went in a little bit different direction. <laughs> but the uh, I wanted to talk some about the rivalry there. Um, but um, it, uh, its origin, uh, according to Benedict, is in the Enlightenment. And mm-hmm. there's various people you could sort of identify, uh, and this you know as, as sort of headwaters here. He picks out one example as uh, Francis Bacon. Yeah. Um, that's a significant, that's significant. Francis Bacon is, you know, one of the kind of first theorists of the scientific method. And what's really interesting is really not so much, well, some of what he says about the scientific method from sort of a, a cultural or anthropological mm. point of view, right? Where he, he's very clear that he, he thinks of science, modern science, as, as it's appearing during the early Enlightenment, late Renaissance. Uh, Francis Bacon's really more of a late Renaissance thinker. Um, as being a means for conquering nature, right? Uh, and for actually, uh, as he puts it, uh, as, uh, as developing a triumph of art over nature mm-hmm. and of restoring paradise and the Garden of Eden. Yeah, that sounds like redemption, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, 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 right. So science exactly. will be our redemption. Yeah. That's, that's actually what he says, right? And, and uh, Benedict brings that up in uh, Space Ovid, right? Yeah. Uh, this is in uh, paragraph uh, number 17. Uh, he talks about the idea that science then will, know, will, will become our redemption rather than Jesus Christ, right? Uh, because it will restore paradise to us in eternal life, right? Um, in a way that, uh, that we used to hope in Jesus Christ for, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, um, well, uh, yeah, I remember poignantly, you know, there was a political campaign maybe more than eight years ago in which one of the one of the candidates' primary slogans was, you know, got hope. And I always responded when I saw this bumper sticker uh, with in Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know? But anyways, um, uh, to the point here, you know, in the early Enlightenment, late Renaissance, there's this real idea of conquering nature and very importantly, conquering the limits of nature. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The limitations of nature, the structure of nature that uh, impels us towards certain purposes and ends. This whole language of the conquest of nature, right? Uh, Francis Bacon even talks about us tormenting nature, right? Uh, it's interesting, it comes not from Christianity, right? Uh, it doesn't come from Christianity at all. It comes from really the Enlightenment, right? Yeah. A, a secular perspective in which we see science as a tool of power, right? Uh, to manipulate and conquer nature and, and overcome nature uh, and its uh, limitations. Um, Go ahead. What about this idea? So, so in much of this uh, kind of uh, um, uh, theory and explanation that Benedict gives here, so much is based on this kind of this this idea of kind of the uh, progress, mm -hmm, progress, mm -hmm, and everything mm -hmm. is is you know we need to look at at history as programmatic. Mm -hmm. We need to sure. as moving towards this kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, final idea of, you know, of where, mm -hmm. you know, r real human freedom is, mm -hmm. is lived mm -hmm. out within reason. Where, did, where does right. kind of that right. idea come from? Well, he sees it as, as a kind of, I think, coming out of two streams. One is this idea that with the discovery of modern science, we can now conquer nature. Okay. And so that should give us faith in progress, right? That is that we will be able to, through the application of science, make things better and better and better and better. Um, up to and including, right, the kind of the restoration of a, a this-worldly paradise. Yeah. I think this is, you know, when people, I, it's, it's really so interesting. I think that this is true about a lot of modern people. I think they feel a hope in progress and a faith, a faith in progress and a hope in science, right? Yeah. And that when we get in the way of that, like when people don't follow the, the newest scientific uh, conclusions, right, they become extremely angry, right? Yeah, yeah, or even question them. Yeah. Not, not necessarily. I mean, you don't even have to deny them anymore. Sure. You just question them. Yeah, right, and right. Yeah, outrage. people just come out of the work with rage, and I think it's because they see you as getting in the way of, yeah. right, um, our redemption in earthly terms and the means through which we can have that redemption, right? Which is science. The other part of this uh, um, analysis that that Benedict brings in is the French Revolution. Right. Mm. Uh, which is yeah. interesting. This is a very traditional kind of Catholic criticism, uh, which is a little surprising to come from Benedict, but nevertheless, it does. And he, you know, he says uh, he says that that this idea of modern hope of endless progress through through man's effort, right, mm -hmm. enters into political the political world definitively through the French Revolution. So that here wow. you have the idea that you know that a lot of the French revolutionaries, uh, you would think particularly of Rousseau as kind of the, the, the background, Voltaire and Rousseau as kind of the background thinkers mm -hmm. of the French Revolution. They saw freedom, right, as important in terms of freedom as liberation from limiting social structures. Right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and in truth, Benedict d uh, directly connects that ultimately to Marx and Marxism, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. liberation from limiting social structures. Now we've talked about limitations here twice. One, limitations of nature. Lim second now, limitations of social structure, right? That, li that liberation from overcoming limits, mm -hmm. right? Overcoming boundaries and inherent structures, right? That is what's common to both this kind of scientific utopianism uh, along with uh, the kind of political utopianism, right? That we can overcome all of these things through a, you know, 
scientifically guided application of political power, right? That we can overcome all of these limitations in nature and society such that man will finally be uh, fully free. Mm -hmm. uh, sounds good, right? Yeah, and religion also. We don't need that. Remember that, <laughs> that imagined well, song? We, are, we already know that the, the state has told us that it's a non-essential activity. So, exactly. I mean, if, you know, if it's, you, know you, you like it now and then, that's fine a little bit, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's not really essential. It's a good pacifier, but in real times of need, we can just set, simply set it aside. That's how we turn over our lives to the state, yeah, to science, yeah, yeah. right? All right. And, because that's what we really have hope <laughs> in. That's what we have trust in. And that's what we're really hoping for, right? Is this earthly life to be uh, uh, paradisal, right? Yeah, and I, I just want our listeners, like, like, you know, it's interesting that it that that happened. And I'm here. I'm talking about the pandemic and shutting down of churches at Holy Week and Easter. That 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 week that was that defines who we are as Christians, our hope, our, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the object of our faith and the means that brought about, that is able to bring about our own redemption. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not essential. That's right. You know, like right. just, just, sure, sure. you know, think, think about that. Uh, yeah. Especially like, you know, in the, in the context. And again, it's not, it's not always, I'll say that it's not always sure. some nefarious, you know, somebody sitting in a back room saying, you know, how can I destroy all religion? Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that uh, the destruction of religion is not, is not going to be mm -hmm, one of the outcomes mm -hmm. of this right, kind right. of outlook on society. Or when we do, when we actually put our hope mm -hmm. in these uh, um, uh, uh, in this life, right, what are right. the, what are the consequences of that? Well, your religion is, unessential that's right that's right yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um the uh uh you know as i said um benedict directly connects this approach with marxism right yeah as being sort of maybe the historically anyways the kind of the purest expression of this a lot of people don't realize about marxism and jason we need to do probably a podcast about this at some point but mm -hmm. marx didn't conceptualize himself as creating a totalitarian state right most right. Theorists don't set out thinking, hmm, I want to create the most totalitarian state possible, right? <laughs> and, although Marx did. But um, uh, uh, what he set out to do in his own estimation was to create the realm of total freedom. Yeah. Uh, sounds the opposite of our actual historical political experience, which teaches some things. But, <laughs> he, um, but, you know, he thought of it, right, as eliminating the economic structures, right, mm -hmm. that limit and... Uh, thwart human beings, right? Yeah. There are economic structures, right, that limit us, and that socialism and Marxism is a form is a way to overcome, right, the limitations of the economic structure to liberate us from those those limitations. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, it ended up in in you know uh, endless amounts of you know oppression and bloodshed. Um, but the um, but anyways. It, it, it's it's important to see that 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 you know like and and Marx didn't primarily think of himself as an ethical thinker. He thought of himself right. primarily as a scientific thinker, right? Yeah. You know, he, thought, he thought actually I'm just laying out this is the scientific way of progress. Um, Benedict puts a really nice, uh, um, I think, kind of capstone on this discussion here in terms of clearly distinguishing secular hope, mm -hmm. right? Modern hope. Um, this is from um, 
Jason, is it possible for you to pull up a text on the screen? Or I don't know if we can Yeah, do sure. That. Where are we at? Well, um, this is paragraph 30 in Space Salve. Yep. In this regard, our contemporary age has developed the hope of creating a perfect world that thanks to scientific knowledge and to scientifically based politics seem to be achievable. See, y'all, I'm not making this up. This is what he thinks, okay? <laughs> this is in a, uh, by the way, in a paper encyclical. This is not just theological work, right? Yeah. Thus, biblical hope in the kingdom of God has been displaced by hope in the kingdom of man, the hope of a better world, which would be the real kingdom of God. This seemed at last to be the great and realistic hope that man needs. It was capable of galvanizing for a tan, time all man's energies. The great objective seemed worthy of full commitment. In the course of time, however, it has become clear that this hope is constantly receding. Above all, it has become apparent that this hope, this may be a hope for a future generation, but not for me. So you notice, I mean, this is just so insightful and yeah. clear, right? Yeah. He, he's making it abundantly clear, especially if you're involved in the discussions about liberation theology and the, the debates in the, se- in the 70s and the 80s and 90s about theology. It, we can see it, right? It, it is the hope, the desire to create a perfect world through the scientific scientific application of political power, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. science and the state together will create for us a perfect world, right? Yeah. A world at least that diminishes all suffering and diminishes all inequities, right? I mean, I think that that's, I think that's really the rival of Christianity, um, and it doesn't sound terrible. That's the key, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when you, I mean, you think about, you know, the 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 tactics of the devil, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. If something is just so egregious uh, against Christianity, it's easily thrown out. Right, right. But if something sure. has a bit of a flavor of, right. well, you know, uh, utopia sounds good. That's you right. Know, like, <laughs> like, you know, right, right, right. I mean, you know, you sound mean if you criticize it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, and the way I look at it, you know, is it's it, it really is the difference between authentic beauty and mm-hmm. uh, sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, sure. there's you know our society we 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 love things that are sexy that mm-hmm. lack beauty. There's this mm-hmm. immediate attraction, but we don't go we don't go any we don't go any deeper. We don't we don't say well you know where does this come from? Where does this right. you know what what is this attractiveness to it? Mm-hmm. Is it mm-hmm. real or is it just, mm-hmm. is it just makeup? You know? And, and I think many times that's, that's where, uh, uh, that's where the, 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 that's the consequences of that reductionistic kind mm-hmm. of uh, view and that reductionistic kind of uh, um, understanding and right. explanation that we as Christians need to, uh, um, uh, we need to demand from those that are going to hold up this utopian. We need to mm-hmm. press it. We need to say, you mm-hmm. know, okay, where where does it come from? What is the origins of this? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, this. Do you really think the state is going to, uh, uh, with total authority, the state is going to bring about this utopia? Uh-huh. Well, let's look at history to, to <laughs> lessons of. Well, you know, fascinating, right? Of course, we never we uh, we tend to be wildly ignorant of history. Um, yeah, but uh, but in addition, that when we do learn about history, we get this very truncated version of history a very sort of um a version of history that's very biased right towards you know trying to portray everything as limitations and overcoming limitations right yeah as the story of liberation and oppression right um and and that's not the fundamental story 
of history from a Christian perspective, right? From a Christian perspective, Augustine told us about the fundamental, right, uh, nature of history. The Bible tells us about it. It's a history of redemption, right? Yeah. And that has to do with man's rebellion against God, not man's rebellion against the state or against oppression or any of that sort of nonsense. Um, the uh, So I think that's that's important. And I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Jason. You were going to say something. Yeah, and the, the, it's, I think it's important for our listeners to understand also the uh, – the effects of of these other theologies on even kind of our 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 modern understanding of of catholicism mm -hmm. that so much of this kind of seeped into to other theologies whether it be liberation theology or something mm -hmm. like that that i mean they had an effect uh mm -hmm. um uh tremendously on the way that we the way that we think the way that we operate Right, um, right. You know, I, and I think I've brought this up before. I mean, even in catechetics, sure. you had uh, catechetical theorists actually thank uh, liberation philosopher, liberation theology uh, right. uh, people mm -hmm. and um, neo-Marxist philosophers, sure. you know, in the writing, in the introductions to their catechetical theory. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, and it's all about this, this, right, right. this uh, oppression and um, but it was, but it was never the devil against humanity, or it was never, you know, it was always uh, some human um, aggressor against, you know, the common people or something like that. Um, that 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 kind of in, in 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 even the way that it played out, not just in theology, but in catechetics and 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 uh, liturgical life and all of these things, these kind of false uh, false theologies uh, came and and played a, played a, a big part in mm -hmm. uh, um, skewing the view okay. of, uh, uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, Jason, I know we've gone a while here. I wanna make sure we get to, to, to a distinction that Benedict makes here. Sure, and I think sure, we sure. should also maybe uh, answer one objection. Um, so first, uh, the distinction that, that Benedict makes, he makes a distinction between, he tries to make clear why Christian hope and secular hope are incompatible. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is key. All right. Because he's, again, very precise here. Um, he says that what distinguishes Christian hope and secular hope and makes them incompatible is both the object and the means. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? So this goes back to what we learned from St. Thomas. The object right, is, of course, um, heavenly beatitude right, versus earthly paradise. Mm hmm. And the means is, as he puts it in his own language, the receptivity of grace, right? Um, uh, versus the exercise of political and scientific power, right? Yeah. Um, so that if what we're trusting in, right, is supernatural grace, that's an example of Christian hope. If what we're trusting in is scientific um, and political power, then that's not Christian hope. That is uh, secular hope. Now, <clears throat> Importantly, Biddick says, look, this comes down to something very practical, and this, I think, helps us to answer a particular a possible objection. Yeah. Christian hope provides us with eschatological practical principles. Right? <laughs> that is, our principles of practical reasoning for a Christian have to be oriented towards eternal life. Mm -hmm. right? Eternal life is our first concern, our first practical concern, right? in our decision-making as Christians, right? Yeah. Um, not the health of the body, not the prosperity of the economy, uh, not um, economic equity. Those are not, right, our first or primary 
principles, right? Mm -hmm. Our first and primary principle is heavenly beatitude for ourselves and for others. So that will always exercise a preeminent concern in our minds, right? Over uh, questions of uh, health and economics and other things of that nature. Now, the possible objection here is, okay, so make it say, I kind of get the point. I get where you're coming from. But it makes it sound like you Christians don't care about the world, yeah. right? Um, with all of your emphasis on, on you know, um, eternal life, receptivity to grace, it sounds like you just want to kind of get ready for heaven and leave this earth. Um, and uh, I, I, I kind of feel that, you know, that, that is a, as a, an objection, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I want to say is this, um, no, we do want to care for, the, for, for our lives here. Mm-hmm. We are ordered towards the temporal welfare of society and ourselves and others. But that always has to be radically subordinated to, right? Yeah. And I mean radically here in the technical sense to the root. Uh, subordinated to our concerns with um, eternal life, right? So you want to be as concerned with temporal goods insofar as temporal goods advance our eternal good. Right. Does that make sense, right? Yeah. It's not as if sometimes we can, you can get this view, oh, well, let's take care of the temporal good and then as icing on the cake, we'll add Christianity, right? No, Right. You, you go for the temporal, as a Christian, the way you pursue the temporal good. Think about marriage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, when a man uh, is discerning marriage with a, a woman and, and deciding whether or not to propose to her, I know this is going to sound weird, okay? There are considerations that you should bring in, like, are we compatible in terms of personality? Mm-hmm. Are we attracted to one another? Do we enjoy one? All those are good things to bring in, sure. of course. And let me just say very clearly, necessary, right? <laughs> But um, if I, I need to, my preeminent consideration should be, is this someone who's going to help me get to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little maybe dreamy, right, or something, but it's actually not. I may get the name incorrect. If I do, I, I apologize. If I remember correctly, the last uh, Austro-Hungarian emperor, right, was Blessed Arch. Duke Charles, is that correct? He is blessed now, is that correct? I think so. Yeah. So I, I think his wife, uh, Empress Zita, was a uh, servant of God. Uh, is now a servant of God, so you can have private devotion to her or whatever. Um, the, you know, upon their wedding day, right, <laughs> Archduke Charles, who has care of an empire, right? So he, this is a person with, with a deep sense of temporal welfare, right, the importance <laughs> of it, right? He says to Empress Zita, right, well, now our main job is to help each other get to heaven, right? And like, again, that might sound a little idealistic, but that's what we need to be thinking about, right? Like if, if you find somebody that you're very compatible with and all these sorts of wonderful things, but uh, you don't think that person's going to help you get to heaven, right? It's not the one for you. Right? <laughs> exactly. Now, this isn't, I didn't maybe make this about uh, marriage discernment. This is an example, a practical example where we can think about, okay, the, the way we prioritize the eternal over the temporal, right? Yeah, yeah uh, but, and, and the distinction I'll make here is that I, I think, you know, for, for the Christian, when we say the, the, that there's this, this primacy of the spiritual over the temporal, that does not mean that it is this individualistic 
sure. uh, aspect that all I care about is my own salvation mm-hmm. and my soul. Everybody else kind of they're on their own. No, and, and Benedict is clear about that in mm-hmm. Space Salve that mm-hmm. uh, uh, Christian hope is not individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so when even though there's this there's this um, there's this primacy, nothing should be subordinated against this. It doesn't. We're, what we're not saying is that it's this individualistic, which is sometimes how it's characterized. Mm-hmm. Oh, you Christians, sure. you just care about you know the the spirit who cares about the body or feeding the poor or all these things sure. that you care about is well yeah i mean i think the thing is is too is that we want everybody to get to heaven that yeah. right so i mean we are concerned uh with the salvation of uh of our you know of our friends and colleagues and family yeah absolutely that sort of, uh nature um and again, ultimately to a different kingdom, a different community, a different society, right? It's not that I, I don't, it's not that I'm, I'm an individual against the community. It's yeah. just that my ultimate community, you know, is the city of God, right? Not the mm-hmm. city of man. Uh, and, I, and I think that's something we, we have to return to over and over again. Otherwise, I think we will fall prey to just what Benedict is talking about here. Yeah. Um, uh, namely, the, the secular hope in which we want to create a perfect world thanks to scientific knowledge and scientifically based politics. Yeah. And again, it sounds, it sounds at first, first, uh, listen, it sounds good. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, um, uh, but when brought to its full, fuller conclusion, mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, um, and again, a lot of it is also because it ignores or tries to even downplay or take the place of Christian hope. Um, sure. You know, so I mean, right. can can the Christian have kind of both of these? Can we hold both of mm-hmm. these up? Uh, uh, I think so, but not in not equally. Not in the way, right. yeah, and not in the way that they, right. that the modern Enlightenment sure. really yeah, laid not out. without. I mean, at the end of the day, right? Like hope, right, is a practic is a is a theological virtue. It 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 consists of the desire for heaven and the trust that God will get us there. Right, and it dri- it should drive us practically in our practical deliberation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so really, when you think about it, you know, faith, hope, and love, uh, and the principles of the natural law. Right. Uh, <laughs> the Ten Commandments, those things like that. Right. That's what's supposed to be guiding our practical lives as Christians. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that's where the, you know science is 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 wonderful. But it's merely a useful tool, right? And politics is a human activity, but human activity should be based on sound practical principles. Yeah. Those practical principles are drawn from, you know, um, from from the natural law and from um, the revealed law, the divine law. Um, and that's what's to be guiding our sort of deliberations, not you know, political science one hundred and one. Or you know, reason and freedom, right? Reason and freedom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the newest findings of biology are interesting to study about, sure. and we should study them and be aware of them. But they don't ultimately tell us what to do, right? Yeah. What ultimately drives us, uh, what ultimately indicates what we should or should not do, right, is the natural law, and then, of course, above and beyond that, um, you know, the uh, and so this, yeah, and so this this Christian hope, it's not anti-science it's not anti-reason it's not uh um Mm-mm. you know uh individualistic yeah it's not anti-political right, right. right. Uh, uh but uh but what it does is that it subordinates those right. those other uh um 
those other emphasis to right, yeah. our final end, to our final sure. end, and in yeah. the recognition also of how does that, how do we reach that final mm-hmm. end? Because we could say, mm-hmm. well, eternal life, that sounds like utopia. Let's make that happen here, and we can do mm-hmm. it on our own through science right. and reason. Right. No, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I think, I think we desperately need to hear that science and politics don't frame the ultimate horizon for yeah. uh, human yeah, yeah. life and human existence and human purpose. And, and what we need to learn is, you know, like this life is important and, and you know, science is useful and good and, mm-hmm. and, and politics is necessary and, and, and part of life. Um, but all of that is not the ultimate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the ultimate is far beyond all of that. And Christian hope keep that clearly uh, in the picture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Smith, I think you've given our, our listeners a lot to think about. Uh, um, I'll, I'll mention, you know, if you get a hope or if you get, if you get the time, uh, go read space, Alvi. It's, it's, it's really good. It's not too terribly long. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, um, it's, it's deep. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. Pope Benedict goes through, goes through a lot there, not just with, um, kind of the laying out the Christian idea of hope, but also putting it in contrast with some of that, uh, that rival that he talks about of, of mm-hmm. modern hope. Um, and, and like, like a lot of things, uh, like a lot of church documents, he ends with uh, uh, a beautiful, um, uh, so a beautiful writing on our lady as well as the model for this hope. Um, and so I want to invite all the listeners, go check it out, read it. Uh, And in the meantime, check out all of our content over at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless.